Hello, everybody. My name is Dustin Pischel, and on this episode of The Chan Comedian, I have my, my guest is Bobby Slayton. Bobby is a comedian and actor. Comedy Central named Bobby one of the 100 comedians of all time. Bobby was in a was an actor in the movies Edward, Get Shorty, Dreamgirls, and Bandits 2001. Bobby has appeared on The Tonight Show, starring Jimmy Carson. Bobby also has his own Showtime special, Born to be Bobby, which is hilarious. Please welcome Bobby Slayton. Well, thank you. Thank you, Dustin. Hey, by the way, you know, I want to tell you this. I did a podcast last night. Um, some guy, you know, he sent me an email. Oh, yeah, I actually, was, um, um, I was, yeah, I was talking to the guy, um, yesterday. He's going to be on my podcast next Friday. So you pretty much emailed everybody on Facebook to see who it is. I thought originally, hey, this kid knows me. I just, there's no way this kid's going to know me. Because he's 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And then I guess you got this guy too, who I never heard of. Mm-hmm. So, man, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. Yeah. You went on Facebook, you contacted every thousands of comedians. How many responses did you get? Who else is doing it? Do I, I contacted about 200, probably. I yeah. have 100 comedians, Facebook friends. Um, The reason yeah. I did that is because they're going to be nice to me because I'm so young, like a 12 yes. year old, so I can network them. Yeah. It's going to be a huge advantage in the future. Yeah, you know, you're very smart. But let me tell you something. You know, when you when you emailed me originally and you wanted advice on comedy, mm-hmm. I don't usually, I told you, I, I think in the email, I don't give advice mm-hmm. because I never did anything right. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of, things kind of happen. You know, a guy like Jerry Seinfeld, I don't think you'll ever get a hold of him, mm-hmm. loves to give advice. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he's, you know, a very meticulous, very smart, very, you know, does, he works very, very, very mm-hmm. hard, harder than any comic. And, um, but I'm saying there's guys like me that just, you know, shit happens mm-hmm. and you just become a comic because mm-hmm. you can't do anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but anyway, the point was that I really have not been doing a lot of podcasts, but I'm doing yours for exactly the reason you said. This kid's 12 years old. Mm-hmm. If I was 12 contacting people and somebody was nice enough to answer me, um, you know, it, it, it's... It's, it's great. So I'm, I'm glad to be on your yeah. podcast. I'm not doing Thanks. it anymore. People ask me the same dumb questions all the time, which you have a license to ask because mm-hmm. you're 12. Mm-hmm. You, you get away with more shit, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. And um, so anyway, I'll let you start since it's your show. Okay, so where did you get the name The Pitbull of Comedy? Nobody's ever asked me that. Oh, nice. Okay, no. <laughs> okay. the way I got that name was... Back in the 1970s. What, what, what year were you born? Um, 2008. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's so funny. I mean, my daughter's 32, and mm-hmm. it was like yesterday she was 12. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure your parents will say to you, and they said to you, oh, it goes by so quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't go by so quickly now, but as you get older, you'll see the years. Anyway, but the point was, so the pimple of comedy came back in the 70s, 80s, um, you know, pit bulls were in the news because people were breeding them to fight. You know, they're actually very, very gentle dogs. They're like any other dog. You take, you treat anybody to be a, a fighter. You know, a kid mm-hmm. will start biting people if you if you start fighting them at five years old to attack people. So anyway, there were all these pit bulls that were, you'd read about them attacking the babysitter mm-hmm. and attacking oh, the owners and, and, and biting the leg off the mailman and... and you know, they were just vicious dogs. Of course, mm-hmm. you never heard about the thousands of pit bulls that were nice. Mm-hmm. It was always the ones 
ones that were bad. You know? Anyway, so I was on a radio show, the Alex Bennett radio show. He was one of the first guys to really have comedians on his show back mm-hmm. in the 70s. And uh, that's a whole other story. Mm-hmm. But Alex would have me on. And I did a joke about McDonald's. So back in the 70s and 80s, every comic in the world did a joke about McDonald's. Hey, chicken McNuggets, what part of the chicken does that come from? You know, every, all these stupid jokes. So I did some joke, and uh, McDonald's is an advertiser on the show, and they dropped the advertising because of my little joke. Oh. And the account advertising executive for the radio station mm-hmm. came running into the studio and, and, and goes, McDonald's just lost a $50,000 account. And Alex Bennett said to me, you're like a pit bull. You bite the hand that feeds you. Because Alex would put comments on the radio to plug their gig. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I'm losing him an account. So he goes, you're like a pit bull. And, you know, we give you an opportunity and you attack us. And um, he was kidding around. But the pit bull of comedy kind of stuck because back then, I didn't really have any TV credits. Every comic now, every comic who's been doing this for a couple of years has been on Comedy Central mm-hmm. as a Netflix special. But back then, there wasn't a lot of a lot of stuff to do. So I had no credits. So um, I did a young comedian special with John Larroquette, if I don't know who he is. And they wrote an introduction for me. Um, and they said, you know, he, they called him the pit bull of comedy. Mm-hmm. So it kind of stuck over the years. And I kind of wanted to drop it. And then every time somebody mentions it, I go, yeah, I, I should drop that. I should really drop that, you know. Oh, by the way, you're drinking a juice box. I'm drinking my vitamin water. Okay. Oh, I thought you were going to say I'm drinking vodka. Oh, I am. I'm hiding it in a, uh, in a... That's one of the great secrets of comedy. Pretend like you're drinking uh, vitamin water and yet you put tequila or something in here. Mm. You're a little too young for that. Get, get another year or two. But anyway. <laughs> okay. Uh, actually, put a lot of lemon in there. Uh, anyway, so that's where the pit bull came from. And it kind of stuck because I do kind of attack people mm-hmm. on stage. You saw my... You saw that Showtime special, which yeah. I loved. You know. You like uh, Sam Kennison. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, but but I don't scream and yell like him. I, yeah. I mean, people have compared me to him, although I've probably done stand-up before him, Andrew Dice Clay, but I'm really nothing like these people. You know, when you start doing stand-up, people like to compare you to people. You know, it's like it's like when you see a movie, you know, and they'll, they'll say, oh, it's kind of like, you know, X-Men meets... You know, the Golden Girls, mm-hmm. they like to kind of pigeonhole you and mm-hmm. describe you in a way. But I, I've i developed my own style over the mm-hmm. years, I think. Um, but not to say that I wasn't, you know, there were guys that you won't even know mm-hmm. that were would attack the audience. I mean, Don Rickles is a famous one. But, you know, I learned from him. And, you know, you, I, God, I remember I, 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 have, I have video and audio tapes of the first few times I was on stage. And it, it was pretty horrible. Because I was nothing like this. I was more like Jerry Seinfeld, making observations. And then I would start opening for rock and roll bands. And that was the hardest thing ever for a comic. But, you know, opening for a band is something that I don't even know if people really do it that much anymore. Mm -hmm. But in Las Vegas, there were all these comics that would open up for Frank Sinatra and and Cher and, and, and... whatever and you have to be really clean and really family friendly so i never really got to do that but i would play nightclubs in san francisco and open up for these punk rock bands oh yeah i can't even believe punk punk rock is 30 years before your time so mm-hmm. you had to go out there and kill or be killed and oh. you know what it was like when you opened up for a band 
you never did really well, but you wanted to make your fifty dollars or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it was like riding a mechanical bull in cowboy bars. Mm-hmm. You know, you know you're going to be thrown off that bull, so you just try to stay on for the ten minutes to make your twenty-five or fifty dollars, okay. and that's what opened for run. That's what. So that's what I did, and that's where the whole attack thing came from. Because mm-hmm. kill them before they. It's called kill mm-hmm. and be killed. You got to get them before they get you, kind of thing. Uh, hopefully, you won't have you won't have to go through that. But you know what? It's a lot like boot camp for the mm-hmm. for the Marines or the Army. You go through intense training, mm-hmm. so you actually have to fight. You know, you're kind of prepared for it. You know, yeah. I mean, that's the best comparison I could come mm-hmm. up with. Yeah, you like know? there are some like harsh places that you have to perform at. Like some people actually have to. I heard about this um Mazarin laugh lines about how some people right. actually have to. Um, like perform at strip clubs at the very beginning. Right, right. Well, that yeah. was a famous thing. That was before my time. Mm-hmm. But um, it was, it was. You know, I, I was in the generation of the seventies and eighties. But there were comics who, you know, look, you're only twelve, so mm-hmm. I don't want to talk down to you. But if you don't know these people, it's fine. But there were all these Vegas comedians, mm-hmm. and there were guys like Lenny Bruce and guys like um, I just so many comics. Mm-hmm in the 50s and 60s, which is before my time, mm-hmm. that if you weren't playing the cat skills, which is, I'll tell you another book you should read after this. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a couple more recommendations so you can read about the history of comedy. But strip clubs was the place mm-hmm. for comics to work. Have you, have you watched The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? You watched that, right? Um, No, I have heard of it, though. Uh, do you have Netflix? Or Prime Video? Yeah. Prime? Um, I have both. You haven't watched it yet. Okay. Yeah. Have you watched the show? Oh, um, no, I um, I haven't watched it yet. Okay. Well, your parents would like it, too. But it really was about a woman comic, a fictitious character, that in the 1960s, you know, she was breaking into comedy. And everybody in the movie, everybody in the show was kind of based on real people, the comedians. Mm-hmm. But um, they have a guy playing Lenny Bruce, who was the groundbreaking comic. In a couple of years, you should read about him. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so strip clubs was the place. And, and I never played those clubs but many years ago oh my god it must have been 30 years ago already i was playing a club in las vegas it was an improv comedy club and the owner bud friedman who was a major it was a comedy store in improv bud brought us to a strip club way on the outskirts of town to watch this comic who's since passed away but he was one of the last guys mm-hmm. to um to do this so i got to see it firsthand and that had to be even tougher Nobody for a rock band because you get all these drunken idiot guys. I was never a strip club guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure when you grow old, you know, you'll, you'll go to the you know, bachelor, <laughs> go to them and bachelor parties and you know, drunken Japanese businessmen. They're, just, they're really stupid, they're really stupid. So, never my thing. But we go to the strip club after our show, like one o'clock in the morning, and there's all the drunk guys, everything you think there would be, a bunch of idiots. My dad, and we just went, huh? My dad, your dad, exactly, <laughs> a lot of dads. And they were just going, they love this crap. We went just to watch the comic. Okay. And he was a stereotype, a stereotypical, and exactly what you would think, you know, doing these old jokes. Uh, and, you know, but he, he was doing it in between strippers. Mm-hmm. And a few people laughed, but it was basically a bunch of drunks in a smoky room. And yeah. he said, wait and see breasts. And hey, it was awful. Yeah. And it made me cringe. But yeah, that was the kind of thing that you really became good mm-hmm. by doing this kind of crap. So if this works out for you in mm-hmm. 5, 10, 20 years, I don't even know anymore where you would go mm-hmm. to do comedy. Who knows, you know, now with COVID, mm-hmm. you know, entertainment 
you know, everything's up in the air. I'm kind of retired now, mm -hmm. so I don't really want to do it anymore. I did it as long or longer than anybody. Mm -hmm. Played horrible comedy clubs, good comedy clubs too. But you know, it was it, it was four days a week, and you get on a plane. Mm -hmm. And you do morning radio, and you do shows, and some of the shows were great, some of the clubs are great, some of them were still there, but you know, you had, it was a famous Friday Night Late show where everybody's just drunk, because they've been working all week, and the, the show always sucked, mm -hmm. and you know, it doesn't matter how good the audience is, all it takes is 10 or 20 assholes out of 100 or 200 to ruin the show. Oh, you yeah, know? yeah. But it's something you have to do, mm -hmm. you know? And, so comedy is not look if everybody could do it mm -hmm. there wouldn't be such a special yeah. job it's, mm -hmm. it's almost like playing baseball look you could be a really really good mm -hmm. high school or college baseball player mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean you're even close to playing professional baseball mm -hmm. or football or basketball but they want to be the next michael jordan and they're really good for high school kids mm -hmm. you know but but to make it to that level and i'm not saying you have to make it to the michael jordan level or you have to make it to the jerry seinfeld level or make but but mm -hmm. just to break into the majors and get a paycheck okay. is a whole nother leap mm -hmm. from being funny or being good okay and i can't tell you how many kids how many people will come up to me after show oh god my dorm i was so funny i was the funniest kid in school mm -hmm. and i would, i was a class clown yeah we all were but it doesn't mean you're going to become a good comic. Yeah, um, it's a lot different um, than like what, like when you're like sort of like performing versus like just being funny in general. Because a lot of times you're just saying stuff you already heard, like it's nothing right. Right. Uh, like right. compared to comedy. Exactly, and and now I mean only twelve for God's sakes. I mean I couldn't begin to tell you. In a way, it's good because you can really. You know, you watch all these Netflix specials, mm -hmm. you see all these comics, you can see what kind of style you want. But you know what happens, I think, and this is not advice, mm -hmm. I think this is what happens with most comics, is, you know, you go through shit, you mm -hmm. know, like your grandmother dies, mm -hmm. your dog dies, it doesn't have to definitely be death, or, mm -hmm. or, or you get caught cheating in school, mm -hmm. or you meet a girl and she leaves you, mm -hmm. and, you know, you, you'll have anger, you'll be upset, mm -hmm. and then you gotta find the comedy. Okay. It's stuff like that. Yeah. And people go, there's nothing funny about the well, Holocaust. It can be. Like, or, stuff or like death. that can be. Like, huh? I have... Stuff like that can be. Like, I have autism, and I, like... Right. I make that into, like, comedy about, like, right. how once I, I'm dependent because of that. And because of that, I, if I were to ever have sex, my, my dad would be there helping me out. And then it's, like, a joke <laughs> where he's helping me okay, out. There you go. And then it there leads to sort of, like, a threesome. I'm like, I'm more of a hands-on learner. You know what? Don't let anybody ever tell you that you can't make jokes about stuff. And, and you know, the, here's the thing when I started. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I started when I was 21 or 22. And mm -hmm. I was in San Francisco. And San Francisco at the time, you know, gay people were coming out of the closet in New mm -hmm. York and especially mm -hmm. in San Francisco. And San Francisco was an amazing town, if you ever get to read about it. Mm -hmm. In the 1960s, with all these rock bands, and the Grateful Dead, and drugs, and the hippies, mm -hmm. it was a major force. Okay. So when that kind of slowed down, the whole gay movement was mm -hmm. starting. Anyway, so there were a few gay comics, and I would play these, there weren't even any, there might have been one or two comedy clubs, but it was basically comedy night mm -hmm. at a cafe. And there were a few gay comics, and they would make fun of straight people. So I would do gay jokes. They're not really angry. They're fucking faggot, you know. <laughs> angry, those kind of jokes. But they were they were gay jokes. And people always say, "Oh, unless you're gay, you can't make gay jokes. Unless you're black, you can't do black jokes." But wait a second. There's a black comedy night. 
they're making fun of white people mm -hmm. and the gay people are making fun of straight people mm -hmm. but I can't make fun of them because I'm a white guy so you know and, but then there are subjects like autism or even you can't use the word retard anymore you can't use the word faggot anymore you can't use the n-word anymore and I'm not saying you should use those words yeah. but I'm saying but when you know every situation is different and then mm -hmm. just because you don't have this problem you know you gotta be very careful about that kind of stuff. Where are you going? Are you coming back? Oh yeah, I was just putting my juice box away. I was just throwing my juice box away. You couldn't wait, wait, you couldn't put your juice box on the table and leave it there? Oh. Just throw it away? I don't I don't think of stuff like that. My IQ isn't high enough. Oh, okay. Now you're gonna now you're gonna now you're gonna play the autism IQ card. <laughs> okay. Next time just put that fucking box on the table. <laughs> Alright, but anyway. What if I got up to throw it? Uh, my, my drink's almost done. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to have to throw it away. I'm just going to put it right down there on the desk. Anyway, okay. so um, you're 12. You're getting a pass. Mm -hmm. But anyway, like I'm saying is, you know, it's funny you can make fun of autism now. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't delve into all these crazy subjects. Mm -hmm. You should try to make everybody laugh. Mm -hmm. um, but as you grow up and you go through shit, it's mm -hmm. all fodder for comedy. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure people will say to you, oh, that's... Jerry Seinfeld's joke doesn't. Chances are, whatever joke you come up with, there's a good chance that somebody's done it already, mm -hmm. which doesn't mean you can't do it. And I, I had that problem too when I when I was I started in San Francisco with Dana Carvey. I don't know if you mm -hmm. know who he is, and Kevin Pollack from Mrs. Maisel, and, and Robin Williams was kind of already established. And, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, but I moved down to LA, and you go to the comedy store where it's like uh, you know all these sharks, and mm -hmm. you know that's big time. And I would do a joke. And people would say to me, oh, that's Jay Leno's joke. You can't do that. And I didn't know who Jay Leno was at the time. Okay. And, you know, of course, I found out. And Jay, by the way, was a great, 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 one of the mm -hmm. best comics ever. So I went up to Jay Leno one night. I introduced myself. And I said, you know, all these people are attacking me for doing your jokes. Jay, I, I didn't know this is your joke. And he would say to me, just do it. You know, hey, every, hey just do it. So I do the joke. What do I care? Mm -hmm. I'll write another joke. And I'll tell him I, I it's like but you know and then you decide what you want to do you want to drop the joke you want to, but it's a lot of people come up with the same stuff so that mm -hmm. happens and, and, and you can't make yourself too crazy with that mm -hmm. um, and then a lot of times I'll tell you what happens to everybody is you'll be watching all this comedy and you come up with a joke one day and you realize that's somebody else's joke and subliminally subconsciously mm -hmm. you probably saw the joke but you don't remember yeah it's a very complicated oh yeah and especially and for you, it's tough because, yeah. again, not trying to talk, your brain is still developing. They said mm -hmm. the brain, human brain is not developed until you're 21. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, it's like I said, it's a very tough thing. And right mm -hmm. now, everybody's so politically correct. And it's mm -hmm. getting crazier and crazier. So you're on your own, kid. What can I tell you? Okay. So, yeah. so George Carlin used to be a clean co comic. Were you ever a clean uh, comic? Yes. Um. Who wrote you that joke, your father? Who wrote you that question? Oh, no, I wrote it myself. Well, there you go. You, you, <laughs> that's what we, wait, did you, have you ever seen George Carlin? Um, I've seen some of his stuff. Um, like, I know before, um, like, I saw the stuff about people that ought to die. Um, I heard about the seven swears you can't say. Um, right. That was brilliant, by the way. That mm -hmm. was one of the, that was groundbreaking. Right? Mm -hmm. Um. Carlin, you know, when I look at his early stuff, I never found it that funny. He, he would do like the hippie dippy weatherman, mm -hmm. a brilliant guy. But when he dropped all the characters and became the George Carlin mm -hmm. we know today, 
you know, he became really, really great. You know, Lenny Bruce, I mentioned him before, is a guy that um, changed comedy for everybody, you know, um, you know, with free speech. And then Lenny got arrested and it kind of killed him after all, even though he died from drugs. But the whole thing led to his death because he was hounded and arrested mm-hmm. for using dirty words on stage. But these guys were groundbreakers like that. And if you look back at some of Lenny's stuff, he was a brilliant guy. You probably wouldn't find a lot of it funny. I don't find a lot of it funny. Mm-hmm. It was great for the time. Mm-hmm. It was groundbreaking for the time. And Carlin, but a lot of George's stuff, yeah, he became dirty, but it, it's not dirty, dirty. You know, there are guys that are just dirty. Like Andrew Dice Clay plays a character. Mm-hmm. And he says dirty stuff just to shock people. Mm-hmm. I think Carlin was making, was, um, trying to send out a message and he was making a point and he was mm-hmm. really brilliant mm-hmm. um, and there was a time when I was pretty clean um, but you know then again I didn't try to come dirty mm-hmm. I didn't try to stay clean I didn't I, I just started doing what I found funny okay. and I always had a problem of working on television where you have to do mm-hmm. five minutes uh, one of the best five minutes I ever did was on the Johnny Carson show and Johnny Carson was the guy another guy named Steve Allen. He's on okay. No, but Johnny Carson, way before Letterman, he was Letterman Zero, mm-hmm. and way before Jimmy Fallon, way before Jay Leno, was mm-hmm. Johnny Carson. And it's on YouTube. You can find my one appearance on the Johnny Carson okay. show. And it was great. And I was about to go back, Johnny loved it. And mm-hmm. I was about to go back and do it again, but Johnny retired. Mm-hmm. And everybody was trying to get on his show before he retired. But there were guys that, that you, know, you probably wouldn't know that they're 10, 20 Johnny Carson appearances. You know, my friend Jake Johansson did, you know, 40 or 50 David Letterman appearances where you have to do five to six clean minutes. That was never my style. Okay. You know, I would rave and rant and talk mm-hmm. to the audience. You know, I, I have, like you're autistic, I have a little ADD, so I'm mm-hmm. all over the place. Oh, I also um, have ADHD. Huh? I also well, have, have everything. Yeah. <laughs> you, have, you have COVID? COVID you, you get COVID, so you must get everything. Get mm-hmm. everything out. Get COVID, get it, get it all out of the way. Um, um, but um, yeah, so I would. That was never my style of working clean. Mm-hmm. And what's your opening joke? What's your closing joke? Mm-hmm. You know, I go into a club and I talk about, hey, it's great to be in Texas. You know, what's what's, what's going on with your barbecue mm-hmm. and your traffic on the freeway? And, mm-hmm. You know, make your governor. I I would talk about stuff that was going on in that town in the news, and I go into my act, I jump out of my act, mm-hmm. I make fun of some two gay guys in the front row, even mm-hmm. if they weren't gay, like I did in my special. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. So being clean was never what I was good at. Mm-hmm. Not that I was good at being dirty, but I just wanted to do my 45 minutes to an hour mm-hmm. in a club, yeah. get my paycheck and get the, yeah. get the hell out of there. Mm-hmm. So you were on, what's the craziest heckler you have ever had? Oh my God. Dustin, you remember I've been doing this for 40, 45 years, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And you know, you know, there were so many drunks and so many idiots. You know, there were, well, bachelorette parties were mm-hmm. always impossible. Mm-hmm. Bachelorette parties were always impossible okay. because bachelor parties were a little bit easier because you, you could talk to a drunk guy. Mm-hmm. You can, even the police can usually, usually talk down to a drunk guy. Mm-hmm. When, when a woman's drunk, they're unstoppable. <laughs> it's like, I used to do a joke, when a woman's drunk, it's like putting a gremlin in water. <laughs> if you want to sleep with them, you got to get them drunk. You saw the movie Gremlins. But once they start drinking, they're, they're the worst. And you get a bunch of them together. So, you know, I would do jokes about women and the bachelorette parties would sometimes yell out stuff. 
my boyfriend, my husband's nothing like that. And I would go, yeah, he is. Where is he tonight? Is he in a comedy club, you fucking pinhead? He's in a strip club, you know, eating cake off the, the, the breasts of a, a stripper or something. You know? Yeah. I should start to cry. But anyway, so you, you get all kinds of mm-hmm. But there was one time, oh God, I didn't know if I could tell you, you're only 12. Um, there was somebody I was making fun of. And, um, oh God, well, I was talking about masturbation. Mm-hmm. And one was yelling, my husband has never done that. I was yelling, we went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And she held his arms up in the air, and he had no arms, he had hooks for hands. Wait, actually? So, I mean, but that wasn't really a heckle. But I mean, I, I got, mm-hmm. you know, people just yelling stuff out. I, I can't remember anyone, mm-hmm. any specific heckle. Yeah. Um, but there was just so many idiots. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can't remember a specific one right now. But there were a lot of them. Yeah. A lot of them. But thank God there was more laughs. In the world. You know, people would walk out. People would cry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that more than a heckle, that would always shock me. Because my act was never that shocking. When you saw my Born to be Bobby Showtime mm-hmm. special, that was, God, it must have been 10 years ago already, but that yeah. was my basic act. Yeah. There was nothing in there that was that offensive. But there was... There'd be women once in, once in a while, only having a couple of they'll start to cry on my show and storm out, and I wasn't even making fun of this idiot. Oh. Uh, but she was obviously going through things in her life, mm-hmm. and maybe had too much to drink, and you heard me talking, and maybe I sounded too much like her late husband or mm-hmm. ex-husband, or maybe she was fighting with a boyfriend. You never know what's going on in people's yeah. heads when they come to a comedy club. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of them aren't happy. You know, let's go to a comedy club. You know, my, my mom just died, and you know, I lost my job. Oh. Go to a comedy club and it'll show you up. And then I start mm-hmm. attacking people. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it backfires. Yeah. Know? That's crazy. Like, I, like, um... So, what? why did you want to do bachelor parties? Well, I don't, no, no, I wouldn't do bachelorette parties. They would come to the comedy club. Oh, oh. Um, no, 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 no. I was, no, 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 no. I was never hired to do a bachelorette party. What would happen was, they go out for a night on the town... Mm-hmm. And usually they go up for dinner, they get shit-faced, then they mm-hmm. come to the comedy club. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of them are talking, and this is before cell phones. When cell mm-hmm. phones came into place, then they're texting each other, one girl from one end of the table to mm-hmm. the other end, and then they take pictures of each other, they're not even paying attention to the show. Oh, jeez. And, and they got little tiaras with light-up penises in their hair, <laughs> think it's really funny. And, 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 and the whole thing was a nightmare. And there, there oh, were a few geez. comics. There's one comic I know, uh, I, I think of my friend Nick DiPaolo, I think, <laughs> who banned the Bachelorette parties oh. from his shows because, and Nick was one of the best, and is one of the best, at, at, at handling hecklers. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you don't want to spend your whole show and your energy and your time dealing with one table, mm-hmm. full, of, one table full of jackasses, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That yeah. Was, and sometimes they were very well behaved. But not usually. And usually the club would say to them before the show, your lady's got to keep it down. Or they'd go between acts and say, girls, please keep it down. We're just trying to have a good time. We're just laughing. Yeah. And that's why why I'm kind of retired now. I did it for 40-something years. And now with COVID, which everybody was forced into retirement, um, another juice box, you have a sugar overload, kid. Yeah. I hope there's tequila in them. Yeah. Probably if. Um, yeah, this is probably Tequila in here. Um, so you were on an episode of Kirby Enthusiasm. What was that like? Well, first of 
first of all, have you ever watched the show? I watched the first episode. The first episode? It's one of the funniest shows in the history of television. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you that right. Do, you, do your parents watch it? Um, my mom does. Well, I don't think my mom did. No. The women usually hate the show. My, 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 mm-hmm. my ex-wife hated the show because they yelled a lot. My dad um, might have. It's a great, great... Well, Larry David, who created Seinfeld, mm-hmm. along with Jerry, mm-hmm. that's his show. It's a great, 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 great show. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny and so crazy. Uh, you should really watch it. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's okay for a 12-year-old. There's nothing... I mean, you might not find it funny. There's nothing that you can't watch, yeah. but it's, it's brilliant. And, and what was great about doing it is you kind of make up the stuff as you go along. Mm-hmm. Is my thing, and I don't know if it's because maybe I'm a little autistic. Maybe I got mm-hmm. ADD. I have never been good, ever, ever, at memorizing a script. It comes very easy to a lot of people. It's impossible for me. I have some kind of mental thing where I can't. I mean, I do it. I've done it many times. But you work on a show, and as the week goes on, they're changing the lines. Mm-hmm. And most actors want more lines. And all I'm thinking is, please, cut more shit out. If mm-hmm. I just come on and say, oh, how are you? Bobby, we've cut half, we've cut half your scenes mm-hmm. down. Yeah. I go, that's great. I'm, I'm still going to paint the same. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit. So my dream was always to be on Curb, and I finally got on last mm-hmm. season. Um, nice. They're doing another season now. Um, my character was killed. So um, oh. killed himself. So there's no chance of me coming back. He always want to come back to the show, but mm-hmm. once you once you're dead, you're not coming back. But it was so much fun to work with those people because you're making up stuff as you go along, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty good at that. And because everybody on that show I've known for years, Jeff Garland, we used to work together, and Susie Yesman and Richard Lewis, we did our first pilot together. Mm-hmm. So I knew everybody, and it was great, and it was so much fun, and it was so depressing because after the day was over. God damn, this show's been on for 20 years. I wish okay. I could have done this show more, you know, but it was great. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just great to know I did it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like, I don't think I could ever do acting. It's so like odd to me, like pretending that another person's your wife, pretending these people are your kids. Well, here's the thing. Either you're, either you're born an actor, or I shouldn't say mm-hmm. that because God knows Arnold Schwarzenegger was a bodybuilder, mm-hmm. and, and, and you know, and The Rock mm-hmm. most certainly was an, an actor. And there's a million people who aren't actors who went on to become great mm-hmm. actors. So maybe later in life, you'll find that you do want to do it. My daughter Natasha, who you should Google her, Natasha Slayton. I've heard of her. She, well, she was uh, she was a, she's in a group called GRL, the mm-hmm. girls singing group. So when she was two, and every parent thinks that their kid is the next child sensation. We knew that Natasha was going to be great as an actress. Mm -hmm. And we brought her to an audition, and she got a call back right away. And she grabbed my wife's legs and said, I can't do this, I'm scared. We said, okay, no more. We thought you wanted to do it. Maybe she was three. Mm -hmm. And we go, okay, you know, we're not not these parents that are going to push the kid into showbiz Mm -hmm. so we can buy a new new house. Uh, But about 10 years later, she decided she wanted to do it. And um, actually, when she was about nine, she got on an ABC series for two seasons called Brothers Keeper. And she was great. And she loved acting. And she did a few movies. And she was an actual. I think she just quit because she couldn't take the auditions anymore. And the rejection, uh, I think she should have kept up. But she wanted to become a singer and started a band. So whatever. So some people are actual actors. 
Okay. Some people become actors. Some people, you know, so if you want to do it, you do it. You mm-hmm. might change your mind, you yeah. know? Something you I... Know. um. So, so how... How do you get away with being so absurd and unpolitically correct? Well, you get away with it. Well, I don't know if I got away with it, but you get away with it because when you're in a comedy club, there are no rules. You know, um, there never were rules. Okay. On television, you can't do it. Um, I look. I've done so much radio. I've mm-hmm. done. I, I hate to say hundreds, maybe thousands. Of radio shows, Jeez. definitely hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of radio shows, and everything from sports stations to talk radio, mostly rock stations and morning shows, um, a lot of sports shows, a lot of all kinds of radio shows. And when I go in, I know what the audience is and mm-hmm. how to work it. And uh, you know, um, I go it's an afternoon. You know, I do a lot of Good Morning Texas. Hello, uh, where, where where are you, by the way? Um, I'm in Massachusetts. Where Massachusetts? Uh, I don't know exactly. You, to, you don't know where you are? Well, like, I don't know if I'm on the east, west, or, like, south of it. You're looking out, you're looking out the window like you're going to go, oh, where am I? Oh, there's <laughs> yeah. trees. You must be near Boston. There's trees. But know what town oh, yeah, I'm, like, 30 minutes from Boston. 30 minutes? What town is it? Ayo. Is it near the Cape? Uh, no, it's about an hour and a half away from there. Okay, so, okay. So, anyway, the point was, that, not that I question anything to do with it, but, you know, you do a lot of morning television. Mm-hmm. So, I did a lot of, every city has, you know, there's a Good Morning Boston, mm-hmm. or Hello, Texas. There's always, you know, all these news stations. So, I would go on those to plug a show. Okay. And, and I knew I had to work really clean, because the housewives are listening, mm-hmm. and, you know, kids are getting ready for school. So, be very clean. And I wouldn't make fun of my wife too much, because I knew that the people watching those shows were housewives mm-hmm. or basically women. And they're the ones that decide who's going out that night. Mm-hmm. You know, if the husband goes, let's go to comedy club. I don't want to, you know, whatever. So yeah. I would try to really gear what I was talking about, mm-hmm. maybe teasing my wife a little and being very friendly and mm-hmm. family friendly. But so I would, but once in a while you'd say something mm-hmm. and you'd realize, I mean, St. Louis, a really Christian conservative town, mm-hmm. and people, they get some angry phone calls about some little joke I did oh. about the Girl Scouts, or my daughter's a Girl Scout, how can you make fun? Oh. They wouldn't really care. My dad but, calls Girl Scouts a cult. Yeah, it is like a cult, but you know, I don't really want to say that on a morning television show. Yeah. Unless you have some, but whatever. So the point is, in comedy clubs, I can get away with a lot more stuff, and at morning rock and roll stations, if they're listening to Black Sabbath, mm-hmm. you know, Ozzy Osbourne, and they're listening to, you know, Howard Stern, then you know you can say whatever you want, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and not be dirty. So that's how I got away with it, yeah. playing comedy clubs. And mm-hmm. I get a lot of shit. And sometimes I would have a drink before I go on. I try not to do that too much. But um, you know, sometimes, oh, you're tired or cranky, and you... You know, you know, every show can't be great. Mm-hmm. Unless you're Jerry Seinfeld, yeah. who is meticulous and perfect. Most comics are very sloppy, and you get up, like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes say the wrong thing at the wrong time. And, yeah. You know, you know, if you want to walk the tightrope, mm-hmm. sometimes you fall off. Yeah. It's called working without a net, you mm-hmm. know? So that's how I got, excuse me, that's how I got away with it. Okay. So, um, you live in Las Vegas, correct? Yes, I did. 
Oh, that's cool. Um, I went to Las Vegas once when I was younger for my dad's business trip, and it's crazy right. there. Um, yeah, it, it's. I don't like Vegas. Oh. You know, there's a, um, there's a. Um, I, mean, I, I shouldn't say that. I had a great time in Vegas. I had a, my own room at Hooters Casino, which right off the Strip. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of friends. The press there could not have been nicer to me, mm-hmm. and I. I had a great publicist and then had great, great shows. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, I was a couple of drunks, a couple of bills, mm-hmm. but the audiences were great. Mm-hmm. And I was friends with all the comedians on the strip. We had these mm-hmm. great lunches. So no, I actually had a really good time in Vegas. Mm-hmm. I don't really like it as far as going there on vacation because I don't gamble. Mm-hmm. And you get a lot of drunken assholes on the mm-hmm. weekends. And, and, you know, the casinos get smoky. Um, mm-hmm. But I've had some great times mm-hmm. there. And there's great rest of world's greatest restaurants yeah. are on the strip. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel bad for everybody in Vegas now because of the whole COVID thing. Mm-hmm. But um, there was a Vegas that I was not part of before my time. Okay. And I've talked to a lot of the old-time comics. And I've read every book on Vegas because I did a movie about the Rat Pack, mm-hmm. who was you know, Frank Sinatra and Joey Bishop, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, so I studied Las Vegas. And in the 50s and 60s, when the mob, the mafia ran it, um, it was a whole different place and really cool. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, from what I... From, and very colorful from what these old entertainers, most of whom are gone now, would tell mm-hmm. me about a Vegas. But, you know, it's, it's, it's different now. You know, yeah. L.A. is different. You know, Hollywood is New York City. All, all my favorite places, you know, it's all the mom and pop hardware store is gone because it's Home Depot. And the mom mm-hmm. and pop grocery store is gone because mm-hmm. you have Costco and, you know, all the little town. Which I look, but at the same time, mm-hmm. right after we hang up, I'm going to go down to Costco mm-hmm. and stock up for the weekend. So you know, and, and you know, Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't like using these things, mm-hmm. but you know, it's become corporate America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every place is the same now. You know, yeah. it's all shopping malls, and it's a different world I grew up in, and a different world before I grew up in, which I got a little taste of. Yeah. You know. Wait. So, did you raise your kid in Vegas? Um, your daughter. No, my daughter no, my, my daughter grew up in Los Angeles. When okay. I was in Vegas, I was only there for about four or five years. Yeah. And my wife and daughter were still here, and I'd come back Monday, Tuesday. Yeah. And I'd be with them. I would I would do my show. I think Wednesday through Sunday. After my show Sunday mm-hmm. night, I would drive four to five hours back home to LA. Mm-hmm. My wife would be sleeping. My daughter would be in a room doing homework at two in the morning because she was homeschooled. I'm doing my homework. I can't talk. The dog would bark at me. I'm going, what the fuck am I here for? Mm-hmm. And I turn around. I go back to Vegas on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. But it was fun. You know, mm-hmm. I was trying to be yeah. a good husband, a good dad and, and, and pay the bills. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like um, something like Las Vegas seems fun, but like it'd be a terrible place to raise your kids. Like the school bus is going past the strip club and it's going past all the strippers. Like, it just doesn't seem like an ethical place to raise your kids, though. Yeah, well, you know what? Probably not, but it does have a whole community yeah. outside of the strip. Oh. It has a, it has a whole... Was that, your, was that you or me? Was oh, I think that was you. Oh. That was it. Oh, somebody ring my doorbell. I'm not okay. going to answer it. Uh, 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 anyway, what I was saying was that... Um, um, Probably somebody really important with like a publisher's clearinghouse mm-hmm. check that I'm going to lose because I'm talking to you. No, Vegas actually has a whole community, many communities outside of the strip oh. that are, it's not a beautiful town, you know, but they built all these little communities. So they have 
stuff where there's no strip clubs, and oh. there's no casinos, and yeah, and you have regular schools. It's not all about strip, although most of the people work in the casino business, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. a lot of them do. So it, I would say it's a bad place. You know, the schools yeah. are good, I hear. You know, Jimmy Kimmel grew up there. Oh. Uh, no, not Jimmy Kimmel. I think uh, we lived there for a while. I think he was from New York and then spent years. There. But yeah, it's fine. I mean, mm-hmm. I would have brought my daughter up there. Uh, I brought up in L.A., which is really not that much better. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like anywhere else. But at least in L.A., we have oceans. Yeah. You know, you don't really have that kind of stuff there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can go, go out to the desert. Mm-hmm. Go dig up bodies that the mafia buried there in the mm-hmm. 50s, look for people's bones. Wait, are there actually like bodies That's in the what? desert? Yeah, oh, look geez. for bodies like they did for dinosaurs in Utah. You know, yeah. Jeez. A lot of bodies were been supposedly buried yeah. out in the desert back in the 50s and 60s. They mm-hmm. killed a lot of people. Um, that was kind of a joke, but anyway. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure there's bodies out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, I think um, that's all my questions and... Thank you for coming on to this podcast and have a fantastic day and goodbye.